Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Jesse Cole. Jesse, welcome. I am so excited to be with you, Amy. We're going to have some fun today. And where are you joining me from? Savannah, Georgia. Actually, today in the bowels of our stadium, underneath our ballpark and our converted studio today in Savannah, Georgia. That's fantastic. So thank you very much for coming. And we were brought together by the wonderful Lee Hayes. So thank you to Lee. <laughs> Lee's amazing. Absolutely lovely. And it was actually when we recorded her podcast, she told me a story about you and I had to reach out and just say, I need to speak to Jesse. I need to bring Jesse to the podcast to explain why you do what you do. <laughs> well, I've, uh, I think I've learned a lot over the years and being able to connect with Lee. And I think it's such an important subject that you're covering the why. I think we need to talk more about that because it leads to every answer that we're looking for. So I'm excited to jam with you on that. Excellent. So let's start with the fact that a lot of the audience won't be won't be seeing what I can see right now. They'll be hearing it, but I can see bright yellow. So explain what the bright yellow means. <laughs> well, inspired by P.T. Barnum. Uh, yes, I am in a, a full yellow tuxedo, yellow top hat. Uh, it is my uniform. You know, if you play sports, you have a uniform. This is my uniform. I run a baseball team that's like a circus. And when I put this on, it means it's showtime. And at first, I just wore it at our stadium during games. And now I wear it almost every day at work because, uh, you know, we're always on stage. And this is the best version of myself. And uh, my book, Find Your Yellow Tux, I believe everybody has something that makes them stand out. And this is it for me. And so uh, when I wear this, it's tough. To, it's hard to be in a bad mood. It's hard to be down. Uh, you got to be energetic, fun, crazy. And uh, that's, uh, this, that's my uniform. And inspired by P.T. Barnum, who said that no one ever made a difference by being the same or being like everyone else, I think was the expression he said. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I mean, well, P.T. Barnum, I mean, you go from that with P.T. I mean, he uh, everything he did was about how to create attention and bring people into his world. And he thought so differently, so dramatically, and he made the best out of everybody. And I think that's like, you know, he wasn't afraid to stand out and literally have all of his characters stand out. And I think that's obviously inspired me. And, you know, I try to be the P.T. Barnum in the baseball world and make it a lot more fun, a lot more crazy and uh, be different. So, yeah, P.T. Uh, is with me with almost most of my thoughts on what we try to do. So it's not just become sort of a, a one-off throwaway line. It's become your entire lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of mantras we all live by. And, you know, I, I think we have a lot of things that we believe in here with the Savannah Bananas in our mindset. But, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's you know, how do you be the best version of yourself? You got to stand out. You got to be not be afraid. We weren't born to fit in. We were born to stand out. And so I, I, I'm against the normal. You know, I'm against the professional. Whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. We don't need more professional people in our life. We need more fun people. We need more unique people. We need more people that are remarkable. And what is remarkable? Are people willing to remark about it? So be remarkable, be fun, and get out of your uh, comfort zone to be able to do that. And I think I've had to live it, test it, try it. And that's what we try to do with everyone uh, at our ballpark, our fans, our employees. And uh, it becomes a wild, wild scene and a lot of fun. 
And this year we've been in lockdown. In fact, actually, I think this episode's coming out on New Year's Day. So let's start the new year with a fantastic bang. Let's go for it. So 2020 was a year of restrictions, and yet you managed to play more games. How did you do that? <laughs> Find a way. You know, it's it's uh, so what now what? You know, we have very we have these mind these mindset often of restrictions and holding ourselves back and what we can't do. And what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does work? And, you know, when you have that optimistic mindset, you know, I have uh, my wrist, I have a yellow wristband that has always has optimism on it and has gratitude. And that's what I try to think about. And, uh, you know, for us, it was, it was very simple. And, and, and when we said, what are we going to do to give what's best for our fans? And the reality is five years ago, we sold two tickets when we first came to Savannah in our first three months. And I got a phone call in January of 2016 that we overdrafted our account. We were completely out of money. My wife and I had to sell our house. We had to empty out our savings account. And we were down to our last dollar. We were sleeping on an airbed. And it was just a few months into our marriage. And she's still married to me. Thank goodness. All right. With all the struggles. And we realized that we went through that. So what's this little challenge of 2020 and COVID? And it sounds like, oh, it's this big monster challenge. No, it's only a challenge if you make it a challenge in your mind. And for us, our mind was very simple. We believe in what we can do. We believe we can find a way. And we believe in the power of bringing people together in different ways and making it fun and finding a way. So, you know, uh, I think when you talk about focus on why, um, when you focus on why, it's very easy to find a way. And so we focused on why we do what we do. And our company name, Fans First Entertainment, Fans First Entertain Always is our mission. We need to be fans first. We need to find ways to entertain. People need entertainment more now than ever before. They need fun. They need to be able to show that people care about them. So for us, it gave us even more purpose. And yeah, we found a way to play in front of fans. We found a way to entertain in different ways. And we were the only team, I probably in the country, in the world, that was profitable this year because we found a way and did it. And, and that's been, uh, we've been very fortunate. And with that, what does that mean for your fans? What have they said to you? What have you heard back from them? <laughs> so the second game of the year, uh, a gentleman came up to me and uh, he said, after the game, he said, man, thank you so much. He goes, my, my wife and I, two years ago, we were down here on vacation and we got tickets through a scalper and we came out, had the best time. And we were with our family during COVID and we said, we need to go to a Savannah Bananas game. And so we got in our car and we drove. And so here's my wife and our three kids. And I go, oh, that's great. He goes, yeah, we drove from Utah. We drove 40 hours. And I go, you drove 40 hours? He goes, yeah, we're driving back tomorrow. And it was everything that we hoped it would be. I'm like, wow, they believe that our experience is worth a 40-hour drive just to come to. And then the last game of the year, season ticket holder um, came up to me and he had tears coming down his face. And he goes, you guys saved my life. And I'm like, now, you know, uh, thank you. But what, what are you talking about? He goes, I was going through a very dark time in COVID and challenging and depression and struggles. And you gave me something to look forward to every other night, to be around the fun, to have energy, to be fun, to not worry about all the things that aren't going right in my life, but focus on the good and the fun. This summer was everything. And when you have those little stories that happened this summer, combined with all the stories we've had in the past, it gives ourselves purpose. It gives our team. It gives everything we do. We're not just a baseball team that, you know, plays in kilts. We're not just a baseball team that gives away porta johns and colon cleansings. We're not just a baseball team that has a senior citizen dance team and a male cheerleading team. We hopefully bring people together to bring joy and bring fun 
and get people to have to get out of their comfort zone and just enjoy what they're doing and live in a moment. And so for us, it became very clear. And now our company is stronger than we've ever been because of the challenge and the adversity that we had to find a way to bring that joy to others this summer when it was hard for everyone else. So baseball was just a small element of what you did this year. One percent. Wow. It, it will always be one percent. And our baseball players and coaches may think like that's that's tough to see. But, you know, baseball is a game and it's a game that needs work and all there's challenges with it. But how you make people feel in the experience that you create and everything else around that is so much bigger than the game. It's the memories. It's the moments. It's making people feel like they matter because nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter. With a player hitting a double or a pitcher striking out, you don't necessarily make people feel like they matter. But with certain moments when a player goes into the crowd and delivers a rose to a little girl and drops down to a knee, that makes someone feel like they matter. When you go and take selfies with fans around the crowd and you're doing those moments, that's special. And so that's what we focus on. And the baseball is just our platform. And so that makes it very, very clear for us. And how do your baseball players subscribe to that attitude? Are they on board straight away or do you have to bring them around? I love the use of subscribe. I've never, I've never actually heard players are subscribing to our way. Um, but the reality is, uh, no, not at first. Oh, Amy, it was brutal. The first practice on our former team back in 2007, I said, guys, before we practice, we're going to learn how to dance. And I brought a dance instructor in from a local studio. And the guys were like, what are you talking about? We're not doing this. But then the first night, a few of the guys danced and the fans went crazy. The next night they danced. They started signing autographs. The third night, they're legends. They're looked upon as rock stars. And then all of a sudden people started saying, you know what? We have fun. We play better. We enjoy ourselves more. And you know what? You're not going to look back and think about, again, that game that you won back when you're in high school. You're going to think about the moments that are different, that are unique, that stand out because it's like, wow, we did something you normally don't do at a ball game. And so when I tell all the guys, I go, guys, I played baseball and I have one big regret. I took it too serious. I was a full scholarship player. You know, it was, I felt like I was being paid to play. I was trying to play professional and everything was about how well I performed. It wasn't about how much fun I had. And I didn't realize it at the time, but if I was having more fun, I would have performed better. And so I tell these guys, don't have the regret of working your butt off your whole life to try to be the best you can and not being able to really enjoy the moment and have fun. And so now because of this messaging, because the, the brand has become very big and we sell out every game and have a wait list, the guys know when they come here, it's about having fun. It's about being fans first. It's about entertaining the fans. And yes, you're going to play baseball and you're going to develop, but you're going to develop more as a person because you're going to develop and understand what matters most to these kids, to these fans. And it's so much more than just your ability to play baseball. So taking yourself back to that moment where you're on the airbed and you still believed in all of this, it wasn't that long ago. It was only, you said, four years ago. Look how much you've achieved. Can you remember the moment when you just knew that you were gonna, it was going to be okay? February 25th, 2016, um, probably around 7 p.m. And uh, that was when we announced the team name. And we announced that we were going to be Savannah Bananas. And I remember we had a crowd at the, the ballpark and we announced it. And there was some booing, there was some cheering. And then all of a sudden I looked and Emily said, Jesse, you won't believe what's happening. And she's refreshing her phone. She goes, we're doing orders every few seconds of merchandise all over the world. 
And we, people didn't realize that our first shipment of t-shirts came in the week before and there were too many N's in bananas. We spelled bananas wrong. So people didn't know that. And also we didn't know that when we were doing orders all over the world, that we were charging $5 shipping and to ship to Australia, New Zealand, the UK, that wasn't covering our costs. So we were losing our shirts literally on that. But all of a sudden people were talking. Now locally, you know, it didn't go over as well. The owners should be thrown out of town. Uh, this name is terrible. You guys are an embarrassment to the city. But people were finally talking about us. And that was the one thing we had to break through. You know, I believe this so much that if you want to get the hearts of your people, your customers, your fans, you have to first get their eyes and ears. And you have to get attention. And if you don't get attention, good luck getting to their hearts. So we had to first get that attention. We weren't there. Five months of zero attention, sleeping on airbed, selling two tickets, nothing. We finally had people knew that we existed. <laughs> and so uh, that was that was the big moment. And uh, number one, trending on Twitter, uh, ESPN for 15 minutes. Uh, you know, today, today, put it on their website. Good Morning America, put it on their website. Cosmopolitan cover. It was weird. Everyone was talking about this crazy name called the Savannah Bananas. And I was like, you know what? We're going to be okay because people know we exist now. So has baseball always been in your genes? Yeah. You know, when I was, uh, there's a picture of me when I was a one-year-old with a baseball in my hand. Um, my father bought a baseball facility so I could play year round. Um, when I was uh, five, I started doing that. And baseball was everything for me. And I put my whole life into it. And then when I tore my shoulder in, my, in college and that ended my career, I turned the camera on me because I was filming a documentary at the time and it was devastating. I never knew what I, that was my life. All of a sudden, just like that, you're never going to do what you thought you were going to do. And looking back, uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it actually gave me an opportunity to do something different and actually get in the baseball industry, but look at it in a whole different realm. And I don't consider myself in the baseball business at all. I mean, how many owners do you know that wears a yellow tuxedo? You know, I am 1000% in the entertainment business. And I think anybody, when they think about what business they're in, it's not the first one that comes to mind. It's something much bigger than that, something much different. And so we are in the entertainment business. And yeah, we just happen to play baseball. But again, it's a small percentage of what we do. So what I was able to see because of P.T. Barnum and Walt Disney and learning from Carnival Cruise Lines and Blue Man Group and so many people on the outside that we need to be so much more than a baseball team. And I was fortunate to get those learnings uh, early on. And you say the entertainment business, but what I'm actually hearing is more of an education. <laughs> well, I think that uh, the greatest education comes with entertainment and the greatest entertainment comes with education. So, uh, yeah, they're definitely combined. I think... Uh, P.T. Barnum said it best, something terrible happens without promotion, nothing. And so the reality is you have to promote what you're doing and teach and share and educate then to entertain. And you have to entertain to get them to care about educating or being educated. So, uh, yeah, I, I think obviously we're teaching people that it's not about coming to a baseball game. It's about, you know, dancing and singing and getting pied and having fun and watching all the shenanigans. Um, and then that's uh, that's our experience. And being in the moment. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think, yeah. So when you, you tore your, to your shoulder and you turn the camera, you already were filming, you said, and you turn the camera on yourself and you showed yourself at the most vulnerable. Did that spur you on to then do this or was there a time lapse in between? Yeah, time lapse. I think uh, as a 22-year-old um, and the camera on me, I, uh, I just, I was on the camera literally saying, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. My dad always says, you know, stay positive and, 
but it's hard for me right now because I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said that literally like that on camera. And, you know, I, I, I started going into coaching. I went into coaching for a little bit and I realized, you know, you couldn't really make as much of an impact as much as I wanted to, uh, being an assistant coach, sitting in the dugout, mostly just watching a game. And so it wasn't until I got an opportunity on an internship, an unpaid internship to actually get an opportunity to get into the community and sell the idea of coming to a game and bringing smiles and bringing fun. And I believe more than anything, you know, everyone says, find your passion, find your passion, start doing, start doing, and you'll find your passion. You know, so many people, you know, we're doing a podcast right now. You know, there's thousands of people that their passion is, is, is on podcasts, sharing stories and learning, and they love it more than anything. They wouldn't have known it if they didn't start doing it. So just dabble, get involved in things. And so I started doing, I never thought I would be running a circus. That's a baseball team. But I started doing and I started testing and experimenting and trying. And that led to me to where I am right now. And uh, I think uh, we, we spend so much time, you know, thinking and thinking and business plans and strategizing and just start doing. And that's what worked for me. And have you noticed any of the other baseball teams copying you? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a lot of that all over. I think, you know, we've got ideas and most of our ideas come from outside the industry. So we learn more from, you know, Amazon and Netflix and Chick-fil-A and Ritz-Carlton and cruise lines and all-inclusive resorts. Um, but yeah, I think everybody, you know, you know, best practices is such a common term. Everyone looks at best practices. I'm more focused on next practices. You know, I want to find out what's going to come next. And that's where I, I don't know if you learn that inside your industry. But yeah, teams, the challenge with most teams, Amy, is that they can't do what we do because of red tape. You know, no, no teams are allowed to have a break dancing first base coach. You know, you can't do it. No teams can have their players do choreographed dances every single game and go on dates with fans during the games and get on top of the dugouts and have their shirts off like ring girls in boxing. They're not allowed to do that with their players. For us, there's no rules. We can break the rules. So I think a lot of people look at us and say, oh, they're too crazy for us. And that's okay because you know what? The reality is we're not for everybody. And everything you do, if you try to be everything for everyone, you're not, nothing to no one. And so we know we are not for baseball traditionalists. We're not for people that are like normalists in the industry. We are looking for the people that want to be a little crazy and have fun. That's our crowd. We love that crowd. And would you say there's a, a sort of a perfect blend of visibility and vulnerability? <laughs> Great question. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, when we went, as soon as COVID hit, um, I turned to our team in a Zoom call and I said, guys, we are going to play and we're going to have moments that we'll never forget. There's going to be a moment when the entire stadium is singing the national anthem together and we're going to get boot goosebumps. It's not just one person. It's the entire stadium. We're going to do that. And that ended up happening on the same day we said it would. But I said, but until that day, we are all fans first. And we are all entertainers. And to do that, we have to let people into our worlds. And so people that are normal in tickets or operations or merchandise, all of a sudden we started turning the camera on. And we did music videos at our, at our, we did Dancing With Myself by Billy Idol. And we literally had everyone on our team film themselves dancing at home. And we sent that out as a big music video. Then we said, all right, we're going to start doing cooking with bananas. And our whole staff literally did Facebook lives where we're inside our houses cooking and showing the behind the scenes. Our music announcer started doing music trivia nights. And we started saying, you know what, this visibility, this is who we are. And I think love the people behind the brand. Don't just love the brand. And so we were trying to get people to know this is who we are. This is what we're doing. We're all in this together. And so that was a combination of complete visibility and vulnerability. And I've shared publicly, 
the challenges that I've had and really tough challenges and adversity. And I think um, anybody that doesn't share that um, is hiding. And if you're hiding, then you're not really going to be able to be the best version of yourself or the best for others. And so it took a lot of time, but uh, we're now all trying to share as much as we can. Because you speak about standing out and so we all want to fit in. So that's a really difficult combination of wanting to stand out and be seen and be heard, but also wanting to belong. So how do you manage that? For me, you know, I can't speak for everyone. And I, I, I'm looking as talking to you, uh, you know, it's, it was courage to start a podcast. It's courage to put your voice out there, to ask tough questions, to ask people to be a part of it. That took courage. That's standing out. Anytime, I think Seth Godin says, anytime you ship something out, you put something out there in the world that takes courage, that's standing out. When we pass away, I think most people are going to regret the things they didn't do versus the things they did do. And I heard this the other day. They said the most valuable piece of land in the world is the graveyard because of all the ideas, all the knowledge, all the wisdom that never got shared. And it went, to, and that's sad to me. And so for, so I, I believe in, you know, in standing out, it first takes the courage, that first step, that first step to say, I'm going to try this and I don't know how it's going to go. And I'll share, I learned this from, uh, you know, an 87 year old great grandmother named Gertrude. And I'll never forget our first year, we had a grandma beauty pageant. We couldn't get grandmas, but we called a nursing home and the nursing home activities director said, our grandmas would love to be a part of it. They showed up in the nursing home van. They slowly got out of the nursing home van and we started our game. And we had a simple you know, beauty pageant, but it was with grandmas, 80 year old, 87 year old, 90 year old grandmas. And they walked across the field very, very slowly. And then we had them do a dance on the field, jump on it, jump on it, jump on it. And they had to do the dance, but they all just stood there except for 87 year old Gertrude. And 87 year old Gertrude slowly went all the way around and did a full rotation. She got into it. And then we asked Gertrude, we said, if you could be on the cover of one magazine, what would it be? And she, in front of a live crowd said, of course, Playboy. And I was like, oh, Gertrude, Gertrude, you're 87 years old. Gertrude won in a landslide. She got on the field. We gave her a sash. We gave her a crown. We gave her a, a bouquet of flowers. She did her beauty pageant wave. Some of her family was there. And she said, that was the most fun I've had. We don't normally do those things as an, at our nursing home. Gertrude at 87 years old, she got out there, she danced in front of a crowd. She answered a crazy question and she had fun. She wasn't afraid of what people thought about herself. She didn't take herself too seriously. At 87 years old, she taught me, what are we afraid of? What's that fear that's holding us back? And so I think if, if an 87 year old can do that in front of a crowd, why can't we? And so that's kind of influenced me and inspired me to keep trying doing new things. It's incredible. And I love it. I love the whole, just the whole feel of it, because it is that the optimism, the gratitude, but the, the whole fans first mentality and the, and also I like the, so what now what mentality, what has led you to keep pushing for more? What is your, what is your real sort of why, I guess the, the purpose behind it all? So the, the deep personal, what I, what I realized and uh, hearing from Philip McKernan, uh, amazing person, one last talk and thinking back to my childhood and, and what's driven me, um, my parents got divorced when I was eight years old. Um, my mother had a drug problem. My father fought very hard to get me because most times the kids stayed with the mother and my dad fought hard to get me. 
And my dad worked his butt off all the time on for myself, for our family, for the house, but he was working constantly. And I was often alone. And yeah, I remember even certain days, um, my dad would come home in the summer and say, Jesse, how was your day? And I would say, well, I rode my bike to Alex's and Brian's and Dave, and I didn't ride my bike anywhere. I didn't have a ton of friends as a kid. Um, I was alone and I wanted to be around people and I wanted to make my dad proud. Um, I wanted to uh, share with him and build uh, that, hey, you have a reason to love me. I'm doing something special. I'm building something. And a few things come together when I think about that. At the end of our games, after a sold out crowd, 4,000 people, they come out and we have the band playing music. All the players are out there. Uh, our whole staff is out there and we're thanking fans and we're dancing with fans. And at those moments, I feel like, wow, I was a part of something really special. I feel like I belong. I feel love. I feel cared for and I feel a part of something. And that, you know, I think back to why I do what I do. It's I'm still trying to make my dad proud, but more importantly, I'm trying to feel that um, I belong and that I'm, it's crazy conundrum, Amy, when you think about that, to stand out and belong, you know, to stand out and belong. But the reality is, I think sometimes you have to do that to do things crazy, to find the people that you belong with. And that is it for me. And that drives me. So those nights at the end of the night, people see me, I'm the happiest I've ever been because I'm feeling that love that I'm always looking for. And I'm feeling that we're a part of something truly special. And I think as a child, that, that longing is what drives me every night to bring that and build that together. And I asked the question, it was kind of a loaded question because it tends to be, I've, I've asked enough people now on this show, similar sort of question. It tends to be that there's been a void in the past that we overcompensate for. We're always trying to fill that. And you don't really know it until you actually dig deep and to figure out what that is. And, I, and I'll, I'll second that. And, and that was obviously, that was a moment for me, but a real big moment happened um, almost 10 years ago when I watched the Simon Sinek start with why, and I watched that video and I left a conference and I didn't realize why we did what we did. I mean, we do salute to underwear nights, flatulence fun nights, <laughs> grandma beauty pageants, all that, why we do what we do. And that next day, Amy, and this is a little story if I can share, the next day, what happened, um, a young man in our community, um, 21 year old um, that played was everything, like they all high school, played sports, everyone knew him in town. He was overseas defending our country and he died as a 21 year old and it hit our community hard. This was with our former team in Gastonia and our intern uh, who was very close with him and his family came and she's like, we got to do something. And I said, well, what do you think we should do? And we had a salute the troops night. We said, let's honor him and bring the family out. So I'll never forget. It was the first inning. We stopped the game. There were 3,700 people at the stadium. It was about a hundred degrees, but all of a sudden what happened was we stopped the game. We brought out the mother, the father, the grandmother, the sister, the girlfriend on the field. We had two Marines walk out with his jersey for the, the Grizzlies, the team we had, and his name on the back and presented it to the mother. And everyone in the stadium stood. And we read this long tribute to Nick O'Brien. And it was 100 degrees, but I had goosebumps. And I'll never forget, right after that moment, the mother came off the field and gave me the biggest hug I've ever received in my life. And I was, geez, very young at that point. I ran into my office and I lost it emotionally, just crying my eyes out. And um, I realized in that moment, I wasn't just crying for the mother and the family. I was crying because our whole community at that moment came together and we were all one big family. And we felt like this is, this is us together. We all belong, we're a part of something. We're here for your family. And I was like, 
we just helped build this. We helped heal. We helped bring these people together. What a powerful why. And so when I was like, we can do that all the time. We can bring people together, whether it's just one family, whether it's a family of 4,000 people. And I was like, why aren't we trying to do more of this? How can you not be motivated when you're selling a ticket or you're promoting what you're doing? It's so much bigger than just coming to a baseball game. And that moment changed it for me. And I share that story and I share those moments that happen regularly here because they matter so much. Wow, you gave me goosebumps just thinking about it. It's uh, it, it is so powerful what you're doing, and and as you, as you say, the baseball is purely one percent. And it's I know it sounds cliche, but it's that whole "if you build it, they will come" scenario. Yeah, I'm sorry if I've mentioned that, and that's sort of like no one talks about the field of dreams, but yeah. it was true. It was something I grew up with that whole concept. Yeah. And yeah. when when I was growing up, I wasn't really very aware of. The, the mindset, the personal development world. This is something that's sort of come into its fore in the last few decades, couple of decades. And now, you know, I'm looking at people who are growing up and it's just the norm to have the mindset work, to understand that you don't get yourself up all these years and that you can be who you want to be. And seeing you here in your yellow tux, being who you want to be, standing out, creating communities, it's incredible. And I mean, fortunately, yellow looks great on you. It wouldn't look so great on me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look what you've done and take a moment. Take, you know, really sort of salute yourself for what you've done. It's incredible. Well, thank you. I, I think it means a lot. And I think when you realize it's just small, it's a piece of so many other things. There's so many people have come together. I mean, we've had over a million people at our ballpark and hundreds of people have been a part of it. And so, but as big as it gets, whatever it, it's, we always say every game is someone's first game. Every game is someone's first game. Every day, someone new will listen to your show for the first time. Every day, someone will come across your work, your product, your experience for the first time. And are you giving your best to make sure that it is a time and an experience that they won't forget? And I think when you bring it down to one person, one listener, you know, one experience, it makes it very easy to realize that it is bigger than just a you know, it's not just about your product. It's about that person and it's that human interaction. And that's what we try to focus on. If you really want to become big, you got to start small and you got to focus small. And that's, uh, that's what we love talking about those individual interactions. And you're absolutely right. I, if I cast myself back to when I first launched this show and in the first episode, I say, if this podcast inspires one person to take action, then mission accomplished. It's so powerful. It's like, it's one thank you letter. You know, I started writing thank you letters every day back in 2016. I've written 2000. And every day my day starts with writing one thank you letter. And it's that one person, that one person, but it makes an impact. And I have a drawer in my office. I save every thank you letter that's ever given to me. It's not just because like, because they mean so much. And so that's where you think of like, break it down to that one person. Our whole staff, we write thank you letters every day because that five, 10, 15 minutes is worth it. Is it, is it scalable? Is it hitting masses of people? No, but it's that one person. And so uh, I think you're spot on. And you'll remember the emails that you get about your podcast. You'll remember those things. You know, us remember, oh, oh, we hit, you know, 100,000 downloads. Well, great. But what about that one person? That's, that's what matters most. It's exactly that. And I recently celebrated the 100th episode. So it was on 19th of October, 100th episode. And it was called The Ripple Effect because I just reached out to people who had reached out to me and asked them if they wanted to come on the show and share what they'd done as a result of listening to the podcast and 
what stories had inspired them. And, you know, that's what it was. It was all about the audience. It wasn't about me. It was about what has gone on to happen as a result of sharing these stories. And I know that sharing this story today, people will be reaching out and saying, you know, you have inspired them to take action and fantastic because, you know, a whole new year for them to do that. Yes, I know. Starting 2021, you know, what, and, and again, what will it take? What will it take for this to be the best year? Are you willing to take that first step, stand out, try something? You know, uh, Jeff Bezos with Amazon said it best. Our success is a direct function of the amount of experiments we do per year, per month, per week, per day. What experiment are you doing per day? What are you, what are you doing today that you've never done before? And I think if you do that, it'll be amazed when you look back at the end of the year and say, wow, look at all these new things I did. Most of them didn't work that well, but a few of them were amazing. And that's the big difference. Well, it's just been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Jesse, to, to show us all how to stand out and be different and, and really make that difference as well. It's not just about being different. It's about making a difference and creating moments that matter for others. How would people get in touch with you? Oh, geez. I, I found out if you search yellow tux, you'll find me. I'm very easy. Yellow tux, you'll find me, Savannah Bananas. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out and share. I think uh, that's one, as you learn and you realize, great leaders, great people, they want to help others. Yeah. And often we are too scared to reach out because we think they're too busy or that they won't want to help. You'd be surprised. And uh, some of my greatest mentors, leaders have helped out because I've sent a video to them or a thank you letter. So if, uh, if there's any way I can help, feel free to find me and reach out. Well, I'll make sure I put yellow tux in the show notes and, and also <laughs> and also some more details because yes. you know I, I can't wait to come over and watch a game. That's just going to be on my wish list for as soon as we can travel again and we're allowed in, I will be there because it sounds like the, the best evening. So thank you. We'll have to get you some yellow. Oh yeah, I, I will. Yes, I will do my best. Or maybe I need to get a bit of a spray tan to make it work because <laughs> otherwise I'll look ill. <laughs> but no, it'd be fantastic. Really look forward to it. Have you got some final words of wisdom, please, Jesse? <laughs> oh, geez. You know, this, this became a very deep, serious podcast, which is different for me. I'm always talking about the fun, the craziness, the unique, the, the wild. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to understand the why behind it all. But um, we have a fans first playbook that we share with everyone on our staff, our players, our coaches, everybody. And on the, basis, and on the back of the, the playbook, it says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient and how much you give to others. And I think if we can all do that, you'd be amazing what happens from it. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.